Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. In this fourth and final part of our series on information security during the pandemic, we examine how the cybersecurity world might look after COVID. It's clear that organizations of all sizes adapted quickly to the challenges posed by the pandemic, and most adapted well. It's doubtful that the scale of remote and home working would have been possible even five years ago. And it's technology, whether fast home broadband, the cloud, or Zoom calls, that underpins it all. But have we factored in security? There is plenty of evidence to suggest that companies put their usual IT security practices to one side so they could roll out remote working. That, though, has created security debt with problems that will have to be addressed, and sooner, not later. Bad actors, too, will have been watching. Some may have chosen not to show their hands during the pandemic, but again, that won't last. There is little doubt that the post-COVID world will look very different to how things were in 2019, So what will that mean for cybersecurity? We asked Mark Ward, Senior Research Analyst at the Information Security Forum, to give his view of where we are now and where cybersecurity might be heading. No one expected this, and it's just accelerated, amplified a lot of changes that they they had plans in place for, we're rolling out, we're doing all the good things for in terms of... Uh, making sure that you know the right controls are in place and the right people are involved, and you know, and suddenly they had to do much more of that, much more quickly, and uh, that's just like I say, it's concentrated minds in ways that perhaps they didn't want them concentrated, and certainly chatting to CISOs, there's a lot of stressed out, burnt out, uh, worried people out there at the moment. I think that they've coped to now just about, um, and I think. Because uh, we were kicking around the idea that the, the ISF just about you know the security debt that they're building up because there's a lot of changes that they've rolled out. Clearly, there's a lot of people working from home. There's a lot of things moved to the cloud. There's a lot of um, stuff that used to be done inside that lovely corporate perimeter that is now farmed out. Who knows where? Um, and I think that debt is going to come payable very very soon so i think we're, we're in a, a difficult close to the, to the to the end of the year and i i don't know that it's going to change um and i think that those decisions and different working practices that have become uh that were taken on because you had to are going to be embedded and i think well it'll just have changed organizations so much that they won't go back to normal and they will have adapted but it was a very reluctant adaptation it's not like um, you know, they saw uh, some sunlit uplands and wanted to to go there because it'd be a nicer place to live. They've definitely been pushed into somewhere that they've got to make the best of. But definitely a question of digging in for the long term, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think there are some some good stuff that's come out of this for security in that um, suddenly everybody wanted to talk to people in security because they knew about doing this and they had good advice about how to make it work. Um, but equally, I think there was probably a lot of um, uh, pressure to do maybe not the right thing because uh, often those senior executives don't know as much about security and just hear about things in the media. And sometimes, you know, I certainly chatted to CISOs who have, you know, gritted their teeth and said, okay, we'll get on with that. And then had to find a way to educate people about the best way to do things. And I think now they're really scrambling to catch up. Like I say, embed those uh, embed those good practices 
and then I think they've got to take the next step because I think at the moment we're all they're all very much at the point of this is where we are right how do we make the best of this um, and I think certainly the next step of this is going to be uh, stepping back taking a breath um, it's probably going to be a lot of uh, difficult data coming back in terms of people who've fallen victim to phishing breaches all kinds of stuff like that did they make the right decisions on cloud projects that have perhaps gone forward that maybe should have been held back so I think that you know, a lot of CISOs for sure and anyone in information security is probably looking over the landscape now and you know, kicking over some of the wreckage and sort of saying, well, what can we salvage? Where are we at? How have we changed? And how, what, what can we preserve that is useful, will make a difference? And then how do we go beyond that? But I don't think anyone's really there yet. So we'll drill down into security in more detail in, in a moment. But in terms of the organizational piece, how well have enterprises and other corporate entities, public sector bodies, and so forth, actually adapted to the new way of working? Uh, I think it's a bit tricky to say, because I think at the moment it is, um, I think we're still in the early stages of what this will become. Um, and certainly, you know, as a very crude guide, uh, you know, I, I haven't been back in my office for nine months. Um, sorry, uh, yeah, seven or eight, nine months. And I, most, a lot of people that, uh, that uh, a lot of my friends are in exactly the same position, and that's very different. So I think there's there's that massive change, um, and I, I certainly from myself and uh, some other folks I've chatted to, it's it's been difficult to as someone who's spent most of their working life commuting, working in an office, working with people, it's been hard to adapt to that. And I think there are some people who will adapt to it better, but I don't know that um, that the security folks. Uh, have really got a proper grasp on what it's done to them yet. Um, I think that there's some of those, like I say, that security debt is there. And I think there's a lot of probably uh, investigations going on. Uh, and I imagine there's a lot of people responding to quite a lot of breaches and other stuff, um, you know, phishing attempts, and because it certainly galvanized the bad guys to get, to get active. So I think the on that side, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of very busy people out there right now. So did IT teams and senior management actually factor security in when they were looking at some of these rapid deployments of remote working and uh, bringing systems, or opening systems up so they're outside the firewall? I would hope so, because um, I think certainly any CISO who's decent at their job will um, have made sure that they're respected as a, a good advisor to their organization and that they would be consulted on something like this. And you'd hope that they were involved in some of the early stages of these projects that certainly um, would um, uh would mean that you know that remote working even if it was only on a relatively small scale uh, before now that they were involved with that and were did some work on uh, what the problems were but i suspect in a lot of organizations yeah the, the security is being told to come in and clean up clean up after the fact um because it's just because it's happened uh, and it there wasn't really the time because certainly the problem CISO sometimes have is that they have to report to the people that they're kind of keeping an eye on and there is that sometimes some difficult relationships there and i think that's that, that's the hard part of this because it's setting in the putting in the controls putting in the processes we know all about those they're fairly straightforward they're well established there's books written about them there's check there's checklists and all kinds of things but it's the politics and the diplomacy that i think maybe has fallen down um, and i think security folks probably have a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a break on an organization and and when the pedal pedal hit the metal and that organization had to roar down the road and get on with this, then maybe they were the ones saying, hang on, shouldn't we lock the doors first or something like that? I think it's, you know, there's sometimes there's the naysayers and that, that may not sound well at this particularly difficult time. 
So have we come across instances where organizations have had to say, actually, we, we are going to have to put security, maybe not second, but it won't be first. It won't be the first consideration. And CISOs will just have to hold their noses and get on with it. I think that's a fact of life for a lot of CISOs that they sometimes that um, they do have to against you know or because I, th- I because but that's quite I think that's quite a mature place to be because all they can do is offer advice all they can do is say well look we know the risks and here are the risks and present those to the people who are doing this project because after all it's not the CISO's job to be to take the blame for that because that would be impossible um, because they'd be the scapegoat for enormous organisations and that's just not fair and that shouldn't be the way it's organised so I think they, they can point out the risks and that they can you know be very clear about if their advice is ignored then these this is what's going to happen and then i certainly uh chatted to a couple of people um who certainly in the retail trade um some very interesting examples there because a lot of them were i didn't have much of an online presence and were very much about the shops and then suddenly it all switched and they had to become a very different organization overnight and there were some difficult conversations there because you were talking to some very old, you know, uh, retailers who were, you know, got their living were in market stalls and things like that, and were all about people. And I think that was that was, uh, but the, the CISOs were in good position, and they could say, well, look, I'm not going to take on, I'm not going to sign off this risk, but if we do this, this is what follows from it. And I think um, that's that's all you can really do as a CISO, or certainly in information security, you can be that advisor. You can't can't be the one that that says yes, it's good, and sign it off and say yeah, just get on with it. And of course, a completely secure or a highly secure business that fails is no use to anyone anyway. It's never about protecting everything and doing all the, you know, and locking everything down. It's about managing your risk and sort of seeing what you're prepared to put up with. And there's been a lot of risk flying around. I mean, it's a very risky time for a lot of organisations, but that's part of doing business. I and mean, that's what, what CISO's information security is about. It's about managing that risk and giving the advice and trying to be there and sort of say, well, you know, we have all this experience with technology. We've seen a lot of these things before. We know how they're used. We know how they're abused. Sure, we can do these things, um, and certainly uh, quite a few CISOs I chat to are part of you know, those high-level committees or have formed those reporting um, networks within organisations, so they can sort of say, "Well, look, let's take it to this committee, let's think about it, let's talk about it," and then that is a slightly bigger stick to wave at a part of the business that doesn't perhaps do want to do the right things or the you know the, the correct things, put the processes and people in place. So I think that can help. Um, but again, I think things have just happened so fast. I'm sure a lot of those um, good routes have been short-circuited. So where are we in terms of the risk that organisations face now and the threats? So we're, depending on where you are in the world as a listener, we're between eight and nine months into this pandemic. Yeah, I think we're, like I say, I think we're surveying the wreckage, really. I think we're, it does strike me that, uh, I say, talking to a lot of people in InfoSec and certainly the um, sort of chat rooms on ISF uh, for the ISF runs and things like that. There's a, I think there's a lot of shell-shocked people there um, in terms of, and, and some of that is, is quite liberating because nobody thought that change could happen this fast. And I think that's quite a good thing. Um, but equally now, I think we're, we're st- where we are, is we're starting to get a sense of the changes that are feeding through. And I think um, that's really difficult because it does upend a lot of the usual ways that information security works in terms of it knows it's a state it knows what it has to look after um, and it tries to get a sense of the flow of business that's that's 
uh, that's moving across that estate. And now it's suddenly spread everywhere. And you can get a certain amount of that back because obviously VPNs and all those remote working technologies do and are getting better at being able to um, monitor um, that kind of, you know, what's happening on those. Um, but I think it's just shattered so many organizations. I think the next step is going to be, well, what else do we need to do? And certainly I'm starting to see quite a lot of security vendors um, doing more work on that remote work management uh, and just distributed organizations and just as well on the cloud side, just, you know, have you made good decisions and just, again, that, that those metrics, uh, and I imagine that's going to be a massive growth area because it's one of those things that, you know, security is really likes is making sure it knows what's going on as much as possible, as much as that is possible, um, and trying to make, you know, recommendations on that basis. You talked at the start about technical or security debt in particular, has that been growing constantly? Is that something that's been, you know, you can trace back to before this pandemic, before this whole crisis, and actually organisations have been storing up potential problems for a while now? We do see the industry at a bit of a um, inflection point, you know, crossroads, call it what you will, but because certainly I think um, information security is is fighting for relevance because you know the information part of it is clearly enormously important to every organization that's what their lifeblood they're processing it everything they do with it that, that's how they make that money um, and that's only going to be get more important but the security side is, is is the tricky part so I think the um, that security debt is always been there and information security has always tried to help manage it but but the change that needs to happen uh, and I don't know that's happening in many places yet is that security has to be thought about very early on um, and that clearly didn't happen in a lot of the COVID changes but I think there were some good signs beforehand um, and there's a few security chiefs I chatted to who um, that we've interviewed who were very good at you know doing management by walking around going to see people um, talk to them and solve their problems some of them fairly mundane problems but starting to change the perception of information security and trying to get people to think about that um, and that there are also some that, that were very good at uh, starting that secure culture you know getting people to do the right things not because of the organization they work for but because it'll protect other things as well protect their families their friends and just keep them safe and slowly embed that and once you start to get that rising from the ground then it gets easier to do to um, get people to do the right things because they just do it as a part of a habit but also i think as well they start to think about it earlier on in the projects they're doing and the, the, the efforts they're making to change the business, the suggestions they make about different working practices and things like that. So I think, yeah, that security day is there. And I think it's it's probably pretty, must be near a historic high right now. But yeah, it's not unmanageable. Um, I think uh, security's got a real opportunity. And if it doesn't grasp it, then yeah, I think it will diminish and you know, security chiefs could disappear or just become part of general risk. And as a discipline, maybe that's 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 going to be a bad thing because organisations will, will miss their help for sure. Are there any particular lessons that have come out of this rapid transition? Because again, I, maybe, maybe we just haven't seen the information yet. Maybe we're not seeing the data, but it doesn't appear that there have been either massive attacks against organisations based around COVID or indeed massive failures. There have been some, uh, but perhaps not as many as might have been led to expect given the scale of the disruption to business? Yeah, well, I, I think um, just as it was a shock for uh, lots of you know, legitimate organisations, I'm sure the bad guys were a bit surprised as well. Um, and because I think a lot of their um, efforts to 
you know get inside organizations was predicated on stealing logins and things like that and i'm sure they've got lots of those and i'm sure there are lots of places they can get in but i think i i, 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 I imagine as well there's a bit of a time lag to some of these things and you know there is that uh, statistic on dwell time that the bad guys how long they lurk in networks before they're found um and i think i suspect some of those intrusions will start to become apparent fairly soon um and certainly one thing i, I we have seen um because we've been doing some work on sort of looking at uh, novel threats of coming out over the next couple of years. One of the things we have seen is that there's bad guys investing in their underground economy. There's um, bumper amounts of cash being put up for um, people who come up with good ransomware targets or you know who are keen to be uh, also this uh, sort of um, malicious hacker colleges being set up on online to try and teach them to do the intrusions. So they're, they're investing because they, they clearly see an opportunity there. And that's the kind of activity we haven't seen for a while. Uh, plus, they've got some new tricks in their, um, in their, in their bags. But I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's a difficult time right now because, because I, I think quite a lot of organizations probably feel like they've got away with something, but equally, they may not know that they have not got away with something. They could have been caught out, and it's not entirely clear to me that they have the, system, the systems in place to spot that the bad things have happened. I think it'll become more obvious as, as time goes on. But yeah, I think the, the bad guys are adapting probably quicker than the good guys are. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a rough end to the year, and there's certainly some attacks we're starting to see line up that, that look like they will make good use of the way a lot of organizations are working now. So it could almost be a failure of intelligence or a failure of monitoring rather than that the incidents aren't out there. For sure, because I think the, um, again, what struck, you know, talking about this with my colleagues, just what strikes us is that identity is going to be so important going forward that, you know, because if your workforce is scattered, then you need some really good guarantees of who's connecting where and zero trust and various other architectures can help with that. But they're not, they're not trivial and they take a long time to roll out and they're easy to get wrong. And not there's very relatively few organisations that are that you know have the time, resources, etc. Certainly at the moment to commit to something of that size. So I think yeah, if you were an early mover, you're probably in quite a good position. But a lot of people weren't. Um, so, and I suspect yeah, there's a lot of organisations who see the logins and hopefully are getting better at spotting when the right people are working and those kind of things. But yeah, I, I don't think those tools are in place yet um, because I think certainly you beyond now then again that identity is going to get more and more important but as well you've got to start thinking about new working patterns as well because you've got to think about loyalty you've got to think about you know how you uh, manage people out there as well how you get new people in how you you know engender a sense of belonging in them that, that you know that they should contribute to your company and they shouldn't just get the job log into everything they can steal all the data and then sell it and i think that that's longer term i think that's going to be tricky um, and I think that is going to be another challenge for security. It's not just about the bad guys getting it. It's about undisciplined people being taken on as, as workers and what they get away with too. On the flip side, are there aspects that you'd say have actually gone better than we might have hoped, better than we might have expected? Well, I think, yeah, I think the shock about change, how quickly this can change. I think that's, that was quite welcome. I think, um, again, the sort of conversations we've had with uh, 
members of the ISF who, you know, you can hear the surprise in their voice about how quickly they got these things done and how it was working and how actually a lot of this, they spun things up quickly and things moved much more um, with much less disruption than they imagined. And I think they had, a lot of them had to work very hard, not that they don't ordinarily, but it was, they had a rough few weeks, um, but came out of it a bit starry-eyed thinking, wow, we could do that. And I think that that's definitely, that's a good place to be because it's going to matter as time goes on because that willingness to get stuff done definitely will will have to be employed again and again um, because I think the uh, it's a horrible phrase that never normal or the new normal whatever we end up with but I think change is going to be what you have to cope with it's because if it takes a couple of years for this to play out then you you know the, the delays and the disruptions on supply chains to your staff etc cetera, etc cetera, just going to keep on coming and that's going to be mean that you can't really rely on anything for any long term on any long term horizon you're going to have to cope uh with what, what comes down there comes down the pike uh, and i think that can do attitude that's probably been engendered that's definitely useful that's a good thing for sure what should the CISO do now though is this a time to take stock is it time to to step back I appreciate people are, are still under pressure but maybe there is a, a moment to say okay let's just have a bit of a a pause I think uh list what we've done and list what may need to fix yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think CISO should do that generally, but I would imagine, yeah, the amount of changes, different ways that, that things are being done now. Yeah, it's, and I think the, um, the, the taking stock should be as well uh, about um, what's working well and just maybe will that make that what we do now? Because if it's, it's no point going back to how you used to be if you've been allowed to, you know, you've cut free a load of processes, you know, legacy equipment or whatever, that just that worked back then, but doesn't work so well now. Um, and I think those, yeah, for sure, that's definitely part of um, what CISO should be doing. In terms, and like I say, I think we're at that point of you know, sifting through the wreckage at the moment and saying, well, where are we? What works? What is working? What's working better? Um, though, and some of those metrics are hard to find. But I think, yeah, that's definitely where CISO should be now. Are there any areas where you feel organisations should be prioritising in terms of risk and security? Well, I think one big. Um, question they have to answer is how far they extend their security umbrella if you want because um, certainly uh, you know before joining the ISF I was a journalist and wrote about breaches and all kinds of things for a while and there was one uh, area that always surprised me that wasn't more targeted and that's home routers because you know they're just incredibly badly made basically and they're really security and they're easy to poke holes in their security and i think that has inadvertently suddenly become a chunk of you know almost every large corporation they have enormous numbers of people working at home using pretty insecure kits to be honest far less secure than they would have found in an office so i think that's going to be something that organizations have to look at one way or another but i don't know how they're going to do it because it's difficult to extend um you know that security out to those things unless you're willing to buy them a new router or something like that but then you've got well how, what about the rest of the house do, do, have, you know, do they have a shredder do they have you know do they use secure methods to you know are they sitting in the same room i work in the same room as my wife and we regularly overhear each other's conversations and it's like well is that good or bad um so i think that i think that's something that's definitely going to need some attention um and i'd say on the identity side as well i'm sure definitely some um methods of ensuring that people are who they say they are and it could be in terms of behavioral monitoring though 
there are obviously some workforce regulations around those kinds of things as well. But just, yeah, because, and I think that's going to be difficult because uh, the one good thing about working from home is you can work when you need to. And some people like to work very late at night, some very early in the morning. And it's, you know, you're not, if your workforce is not in one place, um, it's much harder to monitor what they're doing. And if they're scattered over the place working at all hours. Uh, and I know quite a few organisations in London have it had quite an international workforce. So all those people went home and just kept on doing their jobs, but actually are still doing, uh, that organisation still works, but it's just scattered here, hither and yon. So I think, yeah, that's definitely going to have to be something that's looked at. So that identity, extending that obscurity umbrella and just keeping an eye on what people are doing. And even some of the basic metrics that we've relied on, such as what time an email is sent or what time data is transferred outside of a network, that goes out of the window when you're allowing people to work from home or encouraging people to work from home. Yeah, I think that's it. We all sort of we live from work now, don't we? That's, and certainly I find that my working day, it doesn't quite expand, but it's just now interwoven with everything else I do, which is quite nice because I can um, take some time now and then to you know, do things with my kids or you know, run errands and this, that and the other. And occasionally at night, if inspiration strikes me and there's something I've got to write, then it, I can get it done then rather than think I should do this in the office. So I think there's some more freedom there, which is quite a privilege. And I know a lot of people aren't in that position. But yeah, I think it's changes to working patterns is going to be a real problem going forward not least because i think um because i was thinking about this the other day but the people who are really good at working from home are cyber criminals because they absolutely pioneered this and they've done it because even though they never meet each other um they have to set up trust networks that uh, operate um you know on the basis of their past work there's all kinds of ways that they pioneered a lot of this and i'm not saying that we should go exactly the same route but it's clear that it's possible to work in this way, absolutely you know, scattered everywhere. And you never meet these people, but you trust that they do. They will do what they say they do. And there's all kinds of mechanisms you could probably use, but I don't know that organisations have got to that point yet. Well, that is the known unknown as well, because we don't know how long this disruption is going to continue for. Uh, it will be longer than was certainly predicted back in, in February, March. And we don't really know what the shape of the workforce and the shape of business is going to look like in 2021. So with that in mind, what do you feel as the ISF that might mean for security? Well, like I say, I think because uh, we are, we, we've been, um, it's a project we do every year looking at sort of a couple of years out of future threats. And certainly we are worried a bit about security because I think it is, like say, fighting for relevance and change has just happened so fast. And unfortunately, security as a discipline is not great at being agile and handling change. I mean, it can do, given time and a bit of reflection, and you know that's the best way to do it probably. But I think change is going to happen, is happening very quickly. And I think that is a, is a worry just how fast organizations can handle this. And certainly in the past, to CISOs, uh, I talked to quite a few who effectively dismantled their security department, spun people out into different parts of the organization, embedded people where they were needed at the coalface and could give the advice because those parts of the organization want to move faster than the core of the security department does. And the security department does all the good things, you know, those things you'd expect, like um, maybe interfacing with the SOC or uh, doing some work in architecture and some, managing some of those third-party relationships. But you have people spun out um, helping where they're needed. And that was quite a culture change that a lot of people who have been in security a while really didn't like. Um, they do like the keyboards, they do like the command lines. And, and I think that's a kind of culture change that needs to perhaps embed a bit more. It's just get out, talk to people, solve some problems and, and, and change, by the by, change the perception of security. So being a bit more flexible and, and more responsive to the businesses, the businesses need changes. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I think the um, a few organisations, again, we chatted to employed 
um, somebody who was in orbit around the, the security chief who could take in those faster requests and sort of and help those bits of the organization. They said, look, we need to do this quickly. Can you help us? And that person in orbit was, you know, knew all the processes, knew all the practices, knew whether the, the people and, and how to get things done um, and got things moving much more quickly. Because I think there's a lot of security that, you know, chugs along quite nicely. And once it's embedded, then you can, it doesn't have to work at those kinds of you know, breakneck speeds. But yeah, I think there's, there's that getting a bit more lighter on the feet is definitely something that security should um, you know, aim for. I guess, though, it'd be difficult to have this conversation without mentioning budgets. And likely, a lot of organisations are going to face budgetary pressure across the board. Is security likely to be put under pressure on that score as well? Or is it likely to be isolated from that because it's seen as uh, being so essential in driving forward the move to online? Uh, it's hard to say, really. I mean, I think it, it depends on the organisation. There are some organisations who take security very seriously and probably see the changes that are being uh, pushed through the changes that happen being pushed through are something that security clearly needs to be part of and would spend the money but equally i've talked to quite a lot of organizations who say yeah we're you know we're treading water we're not going anywhere for quite some time and certainly any of those bigger projects you thought about doing before march just you're not going to do you're going to have to you know wait a while a good long while um and i, I know of people that have had you know some members of their security department furloughed because they just the organization said look we need to get on with other things so we'll think about security once we're back to where we can start to employ those people. So I think it depends. But yeah, undoubtedly, I think the next, I think everyone's expecting next year to be the year of, of a big, bad recession. And undoubtedly, in those situations, security suffers. Um, and yeah, any organisation, any CISO that comes out of that with about the same kind of budget is probably doing pretty well. But yeah, I think it's going to come under pressure. Um, and I, and I, that's going to be difficult because that security debt, like, it, you know, you have to throw some money at that. You have to throw some resources at it. And I, it, it, if, if you don't, then, yeah, that, that bill is definitely going to come, become due. The ISF Smart Ward on how the need to balance capabilities, security and budget will still be there long after the pandemic is behind us. That, though, is all for this week's episode. Our next programme will be on Tuesday, November the 3rd, when we will hear how cybersecurity will operate on what researchers are calling Conflict's Grey Zone. I hope you can join us then. Meanwhile, you can catch up with past episodes in this series on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course, on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.